is everybody doing today? Good, good. Not a, that's not as much enthusiasm as I gave you. I need more. How is everybody doing today? We're doing so good. Oh my god. No, <laughs> so, Mama told me not to lie. So we we surviving. You know, it's September. Um, for us educators out there, we've been a month in school already, and these kids are running wild. So we are surviving. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's been a busy, it's been a busy week as I don't know if you guys can tell for video watchers, but I'm not in my normal location. I am currently in Georgia, actually, for the week. Actually, I'm leaving to go back tomorrow, so it's been a week, but I'm doing actually a memorial concert for um, the 20th anniversary of 9-11 tonight because this is when we're recording this is on 9-11. And that's it's been interesting to see kind of everyone we were just I think Anthony you were just talking about an article you read about um someone's like final transcripts and everything and it's crazy to think how like 9-11 just just means so much more like or it's just different now like past that day obviously because that was such a um significant loss that we had as a nation to see something like that and the people who um have survived the, the the victims of those attacks and everything. So, I mean, we're playing the Rudder Requiem. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, besides Adagio for strings, I mean, there you go, you know, like that, it, it's, it, it catches everything. Um, but I was lucky to get invited back uh, to KSU, alma mater, hootie hoo, to, uh, to be a part of that. So I'm super excited about, about that. Yeah, and what you said was um, a lot of people don't think about 9-11 really took a, it has way more of an impact. Like I remember um, hearing, you know, before 9-11, the restrictions at an airport, we've all flown, we are kind of frequent flyers in this group here. And we know how much, you know, security and everything is now. Um, but I, I was talking with someone and it was like before 9-11, you, family members could literally walk with you to the actual boarding of the plane and there was no problem nowadays you know you cannot do that like it's security there's dogs there's this there's that and so i never really thought about 9 11 really you know changed a lot of things both things uh from television um to airport security to anything like that it really um took a toll on us all and we are still 20 years later um, we're still, I guess, really still trying to get processed what everything happened. But one way the music community did kind of respond was um, literally, I think the Sunday after those events, um, I think it was at the National Cathedral, um, they played Adagio for Strings. And I, that recording is on YouTube. And honestly, that was one of the like most powerful um uh, times I've ever heard Adagio for Strings, which if you know me, you know, Adagio for Strings is one of my pieces that I absolutely love. And hearing that and then seeing everyone in the audience of the church was very, very just there. So, um, yeah. And y'all are doing the Rudder's Requiem tonight, which is also a very, very just surreal piece. So um, we love when, you know, music kind of has that feeling bring us all together yeah i mean music is is culture right culture is music so just it all goes into itself and um people don't realize how how close you know those things kind of go and how every time there is something major like at inaugurations or anything like there's always music you know Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what kind um it's interesting to those to see like what music people use for what you know situations though too um which um it can be very telling sometimes you know how people view certain like types or genres if we want to say of music um and that kind of ties into today's like topic really is a you know the idea of um elitism within music and like how how different forms are viewed like viewed as more superior to others or maybe more intellectual um than others and um i mean what what are you guys's uh feelings about this topic 
I have a very strong, that's been growing opinion. And you know me, I'm very opinionated. And my opinion is always right. Um, anyways, um, I am having a huge problem. And this has been growing for three years now. It's not just today. About the elitism of symphony orchestras in the university level and how people don't want to play in the wind bands because they want to play in a symphony orchestra. Like, bro, why? Like, do you actually, like, why? Because if we're looking at it spade to spade, which music has been far more progressive in the last 30 to 50 years? I mean, wind band. It is always assumed. We just knew. It is always changing. It's, there is no piece in the orchestra repertoire that I know of that is like Winds in a Gual. That is like mountains rising nowhere. Mm. Like if you can, if you can show me one, please. That is that progressive. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason. We know the reason behind that, though, right? But it's just, it just, it's starting to get infuriating because then you have like, oh, you can't do this in a wind band. Like you can't play like this way because it's not clear enough. No, you can. No, you can. You actually can. Um, and yeah, the big elite, elitism of symphony orchestra versus wind ensemble or wind band in general. I mean, when you think about it, because I know we've had conversations and it comes to be like, oh, well, I don't want to play in wind band. Um, I want to be, you know, principal chair of the symphony orchestra. But my thing is, you know, exactly what you said, the repertoire is very progressive in the more um, wind band. And you gotta think about, we have more colors in the wind band. We, percussion sections are usually larger. And I think a lot of people look at symphony orchestras because they see major symphony orchestras, especially in the university, they're like, okay, there's symphony orchestras that will pay me to be there. So therefore I should align myself with this. And yeah, that is true. I mean, we don't really in the wind band arena, we don't really have, you know, paid positions unless you go into the military and um, maybe the Dallas wins, you know. But I believe, per, I believe they're per service. Per I service. So I believe they're per service. I don't think they're salary, but I could be wrong. And then that's the thing, which I always, that has always been a question for myself. Um, and if anybody listening have an answer for this, I would love to hear that answer. But when you think about public education, there will always be a band. There will not always be an orchestra. So the fact is we have all these bands, then we have bands and universities, and then what else after a university. We don't have paid position in wind band. Where are they? But we do have, you know, orchestra paying jobs. So I think we need to change that in the future. I don't know whom I need to be friends with, billionaires or whatever, to establish something like that, because I think it is necessary. Um, and just the line, it just doesn't, it never, I never understood that. Lauren, did you have something? I was, I mean, no, you go first because mine kind of hits a different subject that we're going to go down a rabbit hole. So you oh, I, I, So I've been taking a new class at Western Michigan. Go Broncos, by the way. They're doing a New York show today for their football game in celebration of New York. So try to be uplifting here for it. Um, but I'm in a class, win literature. And we were, and we read a couple of chapters in the book last week. And wind bands have been surrounded by royalty. They would have wind consorts since the Elizabethan era. Today, the modern day military, you see them at the inauguration. You see them when any dignitary comes to the White House. So like they have always been in a very high esteem and they would mul have multiple consorts. Um, yeah. So by the way, if anybody doesn't know what a consort is, oh, sorry. You, 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 uh, Michael really loves military bands. Um, so I do you tell me if there is, I believe there is, but it, I don't think it's as big as, as, you know, the military bands, but are there military orchestras? I know they're military choirs, but is there military orchestra? No, it is. I, it that's, is that's not it a is thing. A, it, no, it's a military band. Usually the military band musicians will at times go sub with orchestras. 
Okay. Um, um, but yeah, there there is no military orchestra to recollect. No. Well, and th that's funny that you said that because my brain was doing this and it kept catching on something. I kept being like, what am I, what am I not thinking about? And you just said it. The idea, so wind bands, we, we know they came military. It was always military. It was used front lines. It was, you know, we have bugle corps, all this stuff, like uh, fife, all that. Like it, it was for tradition of mm -hmm. specifically um, the military, specifically, you know, U.S. and everything over here, at least. And, how, and then someone say it was when I don't forget who just said that it's always at inaugurations. Like we always have the president's own. It's always a thing. And I went utility. Literally, it's like wind band is treated like a it's a necessity, but it's like a necessity, almost like, you know, other like um, emergency services are just like pockets that are just meant for like there's a place for it. And it's like a utility versus like symphony orchestras is like, oh, what do you twitty elite? We don't have but we we don't have to. But we do because we can. And can we because we like could afford to because when you were talking about the Elizabethan thing of them having like um that whole situation going I was like that's funny because you don't hear about that you only hear about how they would um bring in orchestras to like palaces and everything to you know make music and all that or like uh with stage productions and all this of operas and all that stuff but they don't really talk about the idea of a wind band outside of anything besides its usefulness for military and tradition and I was like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that makes complete sense though but it's it's weird though because you're like well if you need it shouldn't there be more running shouldn't we know more wind bands or shouldn't there be paid wind bands in every right. city you know well, i mean just a matter like there's been so such monumental rap written for wind band by amazing composers like paul hindemith has a symphony b flat which is um, amazing uh, a piece that i used to hate hate now have come to realize and appreciate is uh Corleano's Circus Maximus, mm. which is kind of like a depiction of what kind of world we live in now. It was also one of the highest paid pieces. Like, like it was a lot consortium. Multiple thousand. Uh, I don't think it was a consortium. It was well, one university. It was one university. That, um, <laughs> I'm almost pretty positive it was one. <laughs> well, actually, 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 no. There, I think so. There was the main up. one that put two thirds, uh, actually more. Um, yeah, two thirds of the profits, and then the other third was split between like three other universities, I believe, totaling at multiple thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars we can keep going um but you know that brings me michael you bring me to a point um Hindemith, that is about 1950s um circus maximus is in 2000s um really when band didn't start to get notoriety and composers started writing specifically for when band until the 50s and People who are not familiar, what you should realize that in the 50s is when bands started to get their, their notoriety because of World, World War II. So after World War II, that is when the bands, um, it was kind of said, all right, public education, there needs to be bands. Therefore, in high school, middle school, college that is where that kind of really started. And that's when composers started writing. So one of the first composers of wind band was Hindemith. That's where the big symphony and B flat, we all know that piece. It's a gigantic, lovely, dynamic piece. So that is when it comes. And I think that's what also kind of lends itself to people kind of putting their nose up to wind bands because it's like, oh, y'all just started you know, doing your thing a couple of years ago. But it's like, well, we've had our, our kind of history for a long time. Um, so I think that's another reason why it's because we are known as the more younger of the music uh, places. 
That's okay. So then you, we, because you started talking about when Mandy said Hindemith and everything and like what it comes after. So basically, we're looking at the time period of like 1950 after. Mm-hmm. So I am interested because the reason as to why, so common knowledge, if you go on the streets, if we do like the, what is it? I forgot, Billy Eichner, is that his name? But the one oh, who yeah, goes, yeah. He asked, like, oh, name three composers you know. Who are they probably going to say? Uh, Bach, Mozart, Beethoven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What 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 did they who and what like ensembles did they write for like the mo- right and so then it just kind of shows you and this this, I, this idea of a pantheon um, mm-hmm. that this is a word that we talked about a lot in one of my my baroque studies class of this idea of the people who we say these are the people to look at these are the people to like be like you know th- this is the the creme de la creme right this is yeah, good. Yeah everything else is fine. What, but this is the good. And so as a society, I mean, we kind of just adopted everything Europe was doing, but specifically Germany, I will have to say that specifically Germany, a lot of those German, Austrian, whatever, Venetian composers, like we just kind of adapted the model that they had over there and took it over here. So it's not really our own. We have American classical music is jazz is you know rock and roll you know what i mean like we, that's our actual classical music but the, cla- the what we call classical music is like literally european classical music specifically like all that western you know what i mean so then i was like that's where this the elitism dare i say supremacy of a symphony orchestra comes in because most people who don't know music aren't gonna know who Hindemith is. They're not gonna know who the, the big name current when literature composers are. They're gonna know the dead European white male composers. And that's just the truth. It's just the truth. If you go and ask somebody, name one female composer on the street. They ain't gonna say a lot. They're not gonna say anything. They're not gonna say anything. Can you name a African American composer? Can you and like no, it's it's not gonna be a thing. And the the two they always want to use are uh, like what Florence Price and a uh, William Grant Steele. And that's the two. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I was when you like. Oh. Uh, uh, just one thing, Lauren. What you just said about Hinnemith. So I. Um, on the Berlin Philharmonic, um, on their Facebook page, they just released a little video of uh, the Philharmonic doing symphonic metamorphosis by Hinnemann. And it's also on their YouTube. And one of the comments was like, I wonder, like, this is a great piece. Why don't other orchestras play this piece? You know, Hinnemann doesn't get treated in the orchestra world like he gets treated in the wind band world. Even though in the Windman world, we have the transcription of Symphonic Metamorphosis and it's played often in the wind band. However, <laughs> Michael has some opinions. <laughs> <laughs> however, like it's still a great piece in the orchestra in the orchestra. Like it was made for an orchestra, but it's not it's played very well. Same thing with uh Festive Overture by Shostakovich. It was that's a good, that's a good one though. I it like was, that one. right. It was first made for orchestra then transcribed for band, but it's only really played in band. Like that's really where it's played at. And I know Michael has his feelings on that. Why? And this, I I think this in trumpet, I think this in almost every instrument that has major repertoire for them, except for like tuba does not. Trombone really doesn't have that much either. Like if you stop doing transcriptions, Push your own field forward. We do not need to keep playing Festive Overture all the time in wind band. We have a bunch of other repertoire that is not played enough that has the same effect. Stop playing Symphonic Metamorphosis. Find other things. Like, literally, the only reason a transcription is useful is, like, if I was a tuba player, there's not a lot of rep for me. I have to do them. If I'm a trombone player, still, not a lot of rep for me. I need to do them. Trumpet players, we've been pushing a lot. Flute, oboe, bassoon, horn, all those instruments, y'all don't need them. Like, y'all literally have a bunch of rap. Y'all been written for by amazing composers for the longest time. Like, wind band, we really don't need transcriptions. We need to be pushing new composers to write new pieces for wind band because that not only helps us, it helps them push into uncomfortability like find different colors that you never really noticed before 
because usually you want to write for symphony orchestras because if you get picked up, you can, you have a concert by the New York Phil. That's amazing. Trust me. Trust me. I know that's awesome. But like, and at the highest peak for wind band, you'll be like a like at a university, one of the major universities for wind band, or maybe the military president zone. Like, and I understand that's not like a huge deal, but if we push it forward, we could make it into a big deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. And and that's the thing with transcriptions. Like for a long time in band, all we played was transcriptions, Bach transcriptions, Mozart transcription. Name your favorite orchestral composer. That's all we had. And, and you know what is sad? In Florida for grade three, a good 50% of the um, that list for our MPA is transcriptions of orchestral pieces that were written in like 1960 when there wasn't a lot of music for bands. So of course, that's what those composers of that time did was transcribe orchestral music. But from 1960 to 2021, a lot of music have been written for multiple levels of music. Why isn't that on our list right now? Real, real, quick, Lauren, real quick, real quick. Also, every Midwest band, if you go to Midwest, you have to play a piece from every single grade level. Absolutely. So for however long, if I don't know how long that's been a rule at Midwest, but for however long that has been a rule, that's how many concerts, how many grade level pieces they have been playing. And not all of them, I'm pre I'm hoping, hoping, don't know for sure, don't quote me. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they haven't been all transcriptions. So there that's another resource that we can use. There's composers literally coming out with new pieces for younger bands all the time. Definitely. Now, Lauren, I am so sorry. No, I mean, you you basically started talking about what I was gonna hit on, the fact that they're they're uh their excuses, and I'm going to call them excuses because that's what they are, of band directors saying, oh, well, the new music that's being written is just too hard for my ensemble. I'm like, you're saying every single piece that has been written in the past 50 years, the past 20, the past 10 years are things above your band's level. I don't think you're trying hard enough. I don't think you're trying to find it. That's the whole thing is just say that you don't care to go look, because I'm telling you, it's not that hard to look, use Google. I don't know why people forget that Google exists, but <laughs> with new new compositions for band, grade level za. Like, and you know how many things will probably come up, but but these they stick to their um, what is it, air for band and yeah. a bunch of other like just like <laughs> just things that like everybody plays uh, all the time. And Michael played every band at a district honor band one year. <laughs> Theoretically, it's a grade two, but uh, musically, it's a seven. <laughs> Let's play a grade seven then. Come on with it. Come on with it. But no, I mean, Lauren, I, I, will, I will agree with you. I will also play devil's advocate. Okay. On the evaluations, how much of that repertoire is that diverse? So if your job depends on an evaluation, what are you going to do? Oh, you're saying for like LG, like large group. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like every state has evaluations. And if it, their if their job is dependent on evaluations. Oh, wow. Okay. So then you are you telling me that the systems created currently right now are making it so that new compositions by composers who are more diverse, just because we were in a different era, are not being promoted? That, hmm. I don't know. No, as, the, as the resident band director, I. Mm. How could they do that? How is that possible? How is it possible? And where and why are we still doing things from 40 years ago? And then getting judged on it. And if our interpretation is like, this is trash, but our job depends on this. Our our uh, career depends on this, and I'm a I'm a I'm a perfectly not to get on another tangent because it will be very anything with band I will talk to y'all for hours, um, especially early music. No, oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> um, but I think this is a perfect segue 
to Lauren's major topic of today. So the, the, what he's talking about, and it's very interesting. It's about accountability, right. Um, And participation, you know? So when, when we, as a people, we say, all right, things need to change and we need to do our best to make these changes happen. Um, There's, you can say it, right? There's, there's a saying it and then there's a doing it, right? And then there's the people who don't do anything, but then you're just kind of there, right? You're not stopping it. You're not helping it move forward in any way. Mm-hmm. You know, very just, you're just there, you're stagnant. So all this past, what, year and a half, we've been seeing these very interesting statements come out from multiple organizations, I'm sure Clorox released a statement, you know, like it's just random. It's from the New York field to Clorox. Like it's everyone wants to release a statement saying we woke y'all we is woke um, and woke is us. Right. And it's, it's been interesting seeing the different variations of words. Oh, they, 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 they know how to write. They know how to write these statements, right? They're nice statements. I like words. I like reading, but I also like seeing things in action. So one of the things that I kind of, brought up was this idea that now here we are symphony it's it's september hello most symphony orchestras are starting um and most programs at school programs have already started so how are they actually using their platforms and their like you know actually upholding the statements that they release because i'm gonna go ahead and say that 85 percent of them are not right because I want you to just go look at the season schedules for a few symphony. Just take a handful. Just take a handful and just go, go, go look at them. Like just go look at the big ones. Look at more like you know. Just, just go like to like regional. Just do all of all the different. You go to training orchestras. Yes, just do all the different types and go see what people are doing because you will find that not really a lot of them are actually doing what they said they were going to do. Or maybe they added one concert of women composers or one concert of a night of African-American music, you know, or maybe check for February. Mm, February might have some fun, some fun Negro and, stuff, you know. And also don't just check the orchestras. These universities, schools of music as well, release statements. Go check that all of them post their entire school of music season calendars. And you'll see, and you will see what they're, they are programming from the choirs to the orchestras to the bands. Did any, I'm pretty sure all of them released a statement on the lines of, we really, we really want to protect our students of color. We want to, we are all about diversity, inclusion, equity and everything, yada, yada, yada. And we are going to change for the future. Look at their programming. And just add that, how many of them are going to, program a spiritual to show stop everything and end everything how many of them are going to uh pick a very common composer for their certain ensembles like the top composer of minority or of certain diversity for each one like i'm going to program the most basic piece that everybody has played before ever in the past three years if I was a choir, if I was a choir, I would perform a Moses Hogan spiritual. Um, I would do um, either Go Down Moses, or I'm gonna do Daniel's Servant of the Lord, or Joshua Fit the Battle of Jericho. That's gonna be the ending piece. Those are the three most standard spiritual pieces of a choir by Moses Hogan, which is uh, in his own right, rest in peace. He is known as like the real, like kind of the more recent king of spirituals. Or they might go somewhere, maybe a Stacey Gibbs, because Stacey Gibbs is writing a lot of, you know, more renditions of spirituals. But other than those two and the original spiritual um, composers, that is all you're going to see on their yep. program. And if you're in wind band, oh, you best believe Omar Thomas is going to make <laughs> it. Clear. Period. And then uh, I think Florence Price has a lot of stuff for orchestras. Yeah, oh, yeah. William Grant still. William Grant still. <laughs> And um, so the Adolphus Hellstork, which I would yes. love to see a lot of this year because I haven't seen a lot of him. Right. So let's like I just want to encourage people, like, please just pick 
different music. You do not have to do the standard thing. You don't have to check a box. I just saw a recent program. It was hilarious. The first piece by a woman. Everything else, classical. Like Mozart, Bach. And I'm like, oh, wow. Check. And then we keep going back to our regular repertoire. That's exact. That's ex- I was just going to say the importance of concert programming. You like you, when you actually think about it, because it, when they do do pieces by these minority or w- women composers, they put it first, say done, and they say, okay, now put the Beethoven last, because that's what yeah. we really came here for, right? <laughs> that's a huge thing. So it's not even just you. Now I'm now I'm telling you, it's not even you can't even just be inclusive anymore, but because. At that point, you're not, you're being inclusive for the sake of this, of going, oh, well, we did it, so. Or inviting a black conductor to do that one little piece. Right. A guest spot just there, one. Usually, usually by a black composer. Yeah. I was, I was going to say. Or uh, inviting a female conductor to do the one female piece. Usually. Or the opening march. Oh, right, yeah. or the opening like overture or something, you know. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. That'll be fun yeah. for her. No. I just I really and don't get me wrong, like I'm not a huge orchestra buff, but I understand the importance of especially like Mahler and Strauss, because they were really the last two composers in that realm to push and change the idea of what we thought of a symphony. That was literally Mahler and Strauss's whole thing. Strauss wanted to destroy what was a symphony and change the idea of it. Those, I will support them because they were trying to change something. No one picked up that tradition and kept trying to change the symphony. We want to play traditional, usual symphonies. If we're going to do symphonies, if we're going to... If, well, if we're going to try to like put, do that tradition, how about we push to do the people who try to change it, who try to do something completely different that wasn't heard of during their time. Also, let's go after Strauss and Mahler. Yes. Like, but that's the thing. If we're going to, if we're going to do like Beethoven, Mozart, blah, 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 cool. You are setting up what everybody knows as a symphony. Why don't you go into what everybody like, who the people who wanted to destroy the symphony, who wanted to change the idea and was devoted their career to it that's just like, a philip glass that's just some john that, adams that's that's what I'm saying. it's like the Mahler's the showstopper of the season the Mahler's a subscription concert the philip glass symphony number 10 i have not seen that program in a while i love that piece like we don't we we do not have to play mozart every single concert we do not need to hear a solo piano we do not need to hear a solo oh, no. violin. we don't need to hear no. solos we don't. We don't I'm over it. I, I, I could die without hearing another piano concerto. I might be fine. I'm, t- I'm saying this right. on, on, the, on the record. <laughs> right. But the record. Know, this, this brings us back to the point of uh, elitism. We have put Beethoven, Mozart, Haydn on this pedestal. And anybody that is not those three are looked down upon. And um, of course, you can add, of course, you, and and from certain points, you can add the Wagner, you can add Mahler, Strauss, you know, the people who, when you come to a regular concert, you're going to know one of those six people. You can add, sometimes you can add Shostakovich on there as well, or Tchaikovsky or whatever, you, white men. You know, one of them is going to be on a program and most likely the entire program. So we have this elitist mindset of like, if you are not playing these set people, you don't have a prestigious uh, program. And that is the biggest thing. And I've heard this multiple times where said program doesn't play the big pieces. Oh, they're not a good program because they don't play this or most people say, oh, they can't play this. It's serious music that they're programming. Serious music. And it's most likely it's not because they can't play it. It's because they don't want to. Period. Okay, hear me out. I'm sorry. I don't give a, I I could never touch the Mozart concerto in G ever again. And I would die happy. I would die happy. I'm ready to hang it. I'm ready to shred it. Why? why please ask yourself why you want to hear that someone's like oh well you can tell this this and this i don't care you can get that from almost any other thing you put let me play something that actually makes me express myself who i am my musicality like don't give me this oh you have you need to play this because this or i don't maybe i don't understand it we'll understand it 
learn how to understand it. Mm. I'm mm. I'm tired, y'all. Like, like, I'm tired. I like I understand the importance. Like Lauren also does understand. Anthony also understands the importance of what those concertos mean at the sure. time. Put them early in the development, and then let them start choosing their own path after that. Like. Yes, help guide them. Like if they bring you a piece and you're like, yeah, you actually cannot play that. Now I'm saying like, yes, you, you, I would love for you to play it. Your physical ability cannot play that right now. That is why I'm saying you can't play that. Not saying you can't play that because it's not deemed as serious music. Like it's not difficult or it's not intellectual enough. And also, Anthony. Well, and here's just on that and how that has also kind of developed into some musical racism because as a vocalist when you come to uh say i want to do a spiritual there are people in the community that will look at you and say that's not real music Mm. oh i want to spit i want to (laughs) spit you are telling the my ancestors the things they sang when they yeah. were over here when yeah. they were in slavery do you think that's not serious i'm about to throw this computer Good that's God. not serious music Good because God. it's not italian it's not german it's not french you don't need to you you don't have to be right. enough to sing it yeah so yeah like oh you don't really need and that's what is looked at upon especially in the choir community is uh, you don't really need any technique to sing. I'm sorry. Jesse Norman singing Deep River. I want you to go and listen to that. And I want you to j- try to go find some random person on the campus who can deliver it to that extent with that much meaning and that much power behind it. And then come back to me and tell me if it ain't serious music. Mm-hmm. Who sang Strange Fruit? Nina Simone. Mm-hmm. Well, originally Billie Holiday, Nina Simone um, did it as That's well. The video that you showed me, right, Anthony? Yeah, Nina Simone's. Right. I want y'all to go listen to that and tell yeah. me what she is doing does not take years of training. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that also goes to uh, because I, I remember, you know, Strange Fruit, it's not deemed classical, but I, I was like, well, one, it is still a version, uh, it can still be linked to the spirituals, and I was told no, because it is not fully thing, but I'm sitting here like, you, I want you to listen to that piece. At this point, F that, okay, because it's all about the story and music that we sh- that we should be doing and that we should be teaching our students is music is within and it should have a message that pertains to you. And that piece, Strange Fruit, pertains to my identity and where I come from. And that is what that is what will keep music alive is when it is personable, when it is meaningful. So how dare you, you stuffy people that are up there, all these elitist people, how dare you tell somebody else that what they're feeling and what music they like to listen to and sing and perform is not serious enough because it's not serious for you. How dare you? How the dare audacity. you? It's the audacity. the audacity. Well, it's just like, and to me, like, I really, I think Dr. Oral Moses, who was on the podcast, go listen to their episode. That was a, I learned... And I will say this in wholeheartedly, and this not even like cap, as the kids say. Oh, um, no cap. Jim. Every interview we had that month of Black History, celebrating it and trying to push it forward, I learned so much in so many different ways from every single one of our guests. Period. And like Dr. Ormos has brought up a great part, great point that like we don't really think about what are spirituals to America. Mm. They're mm-hmm. one of the first. American art forms. There, that is you say one of the forms of American classical. They, it is, and the yeah. thing is, they're not one of. They are hmm. because we always like to say the first American um, classical genre is jazz. Hmm. Jazz comes from spirituals. It legit comes from spirituals. 
Therefore, spirituals is the first American classical genre. Now I will jump to, just to make sure, I, I love being inclusive and I love making sure everybody feels comfortable. Now, Anthony and Lauren, let's say an all-white ensemble, brass quintet, brass ensemble, want to perform a spiritual. Sure. Is that okay? Uh, okay, yes. Okay, hope. What? Hope. No, 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 that is a question that's being asked a lot nowadays. Sure. Can they perform a, a a spiritual? Can they perform music by a black woman composer if there's all male too? Okay, the thing about it, and I know what you mean, and I know that I know the specific type of people who want to, who would ask that question because mostly they're trying to gaslight at that point. Oh. But the the meaning what they're trying to do is basically being like, well, I guess you're saying I don't have the understanding. No, no, no. no. My problem is when these ensembles of whatever type they do it like Anthony was called like the showstopper, the show opener to be like, oh, just do it. And you're not really thinking and you're not actually respecting the music because if you'd respected it, you would go for the meaning behind it. You would talk to people who are experts on that music and go, how, what, what is a way that we could uh, perform this that would give honor to the music and to the people who this music represents? That's the difference. Anthony, do you have anything to add? I mean, very on that, number one, it's all about, are you doing the work? Because the thing is, said ensemble will have something as noted as, that's our big piece. The amount of work that you do on that piece should be the same amount of work that you do on the spiritual. Period. It should be the same amount. Because last time I checked, they are both music. And as musicians in this craft, we are supposed to do our background research and respect the pieces that we do. So long as you give that effort, I don't care if you're all white ensemble or you're all male ensemble doing a female do piece. It. Great. That's what you need to be doing because that's, that, that is promoting what we're doing. But don't just get up there and sorry for my French, have asked this music because that is more disrespectful to us. Don't, even, closer, do don't even try it. And also what Lauren said, don't even ask me if it's okay because now you're, now you're gaslighting. That's exactly. what you're doing. So don't even, don't even. And that is what I like, I'm very huge about because like I'm white, but I'm always here for pushing forward things and people are like they we're always like asking each other blah 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 blah. we can do it it is music we are trying to push music forward now here's a hot take from everybody who's not a conductor especially if you're a student in undergrad listen you have to do as much research mm. on your own solo pieces on mm. your etudes on your ensemble pieces as your conductors do for large ensembles. Because mm -hmm. if you do not, you are doing any piece. Like if I play Mozart, and honestly, and this is the thing, if I play Mozart, I'm going to go research Mozart. Even if I know about Mozart, I have to go research. I have to historically inform myself yes. and make sure I am doing that music justice just as much as if I do like Lauren Borofsky's Trumpet Concerto which is on the ITG's list for solo competition this year, first movement, never heard of it. So I'm glad I'm learning a new piece, but I have to go research where she went. What was her life experiences? Where is she from? To play that piece, not just pick up my specific instrument or anybody's instrument or sing ju and just learn it. You're at that point, you're phoning it in. Every time you do not do your due diligence research on anything you play, in a large ensemble, in a chamber ensemble, as a solo. You are doing the music a disservice. You are being flippant about it. And that is why some of the art is dying because we are not historically informing ourselves on every piece of thing that we do. Do you think a doctor goes into to do a surgery without knowing exactly how to do that surgery and where it stemmed from and how it's evolved over time? No. I hope not. I hope not. not with my life in your hands. Exactly. And that's the thing, like musicians are phoning it in from a such a early slash developmental slash like middle age of undergrad. Stop phoning it in. Teachers, force your students to do fact sheets. If you don't think they will be like, OK, by the third lesson, we're playing this. I need a fact sheet. Born, died, where he's from, where he went, blah, 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 blah. Because then I know you did the research. You might have to hold their hand, hold their hand, take them to the playground, take them to get coffee. Like, 
help students understand the import. We are as trained, as meticulously trained as lawyers, as doctors, as all these other things. And we're not paid the, the same amount because not all of us care about the craft as much. Agreed. And that is, I know I got on the soapbox and I am so sorry, but like that is another fact. Like if you think you cannot do one of those pieces, it's because you normally do not do the work about your own pieces. You think because, oh, I'm gonna do a spiritual. Uh, what was it? Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Oh, I know how it goes. That's all I need. Where did it come from? Mm. Why was it sung? Mm. Are we gonna play this in a happy mood? Like nobody knows it. No, it is somber. Yeah. There's a reason. Nobody knows the trouble you've seen. Yeah. No, they don't. And and Maybe. also, I, I got two things and then I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Number one, talking about spirituals. Um, when you don't do your work, we know. Because I've, I've heard a choir um, sing Wade in the Water, okay, which is one of the biggest spirituals. Now, Wade in the Water is spelled Wade in, and then sometimes you will see D-E, water wade into water okay so when you don't do your homework you'll hear a choir pronounce wade in the water that is absolutely wrong because de is duh whenever there's a consonant after the word just like how normal language will say wade in the water we now it is just duh water but when you don't do your work you're talking about some wade in the water girl what is that what is that that is stupid just That's stupid hilarious. go get off the stage go back home and don't ever try that again don't ever try it again because that is just disrespectful and the last thing that i have to say is i'm tired of hearing people say i am scared to perform a song by a by a person of color because Shut i up. don't want to be attacked just because there's so much people are so um um they are now so just particular about things and girl uh that means you weren't doing your job in the first place and, no, that means you have something to be scared about that means that, you think you're already doing a disservice that's a you problem that is a you problem. Don't be scared. That a me problem. Now you finna yes, you finna get called out, and it's for correct reason. You be scared. I got two things. I got two things. The first thing is please tell me how many Baroque ornamentation classes there are out in the world. Oh my god. How many ways to actually do Baroque? And you want to tell me that's too meticulous to learn how to do a, a, a Negro spiritual properly? That's all I'm gonna say. Cut the mic. Second of all. Cut it. <laughs> Cut it. When it comes, listen, kids, you, you, you have to be the driving force to let the kids know you need to do your research yourself. And you, that is up to you as if you're directors or whatever to get them to do it. They're kids. You need to assume that they're not going to do it unless you tell them to and make them. And then they'll start learning the importance of doing it. Yes, yes, yes. Now I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about you grown people in these ensembles who you're saying oh i'm so inclusive i'm all about dei and diversity and all this other stuff and equity and you're sitting in those ensembles knowing they put out them blank statements and didn't do anything to actually change anything to make your job better to make the field better and you're sitting there at what point do we start looking at you at what point can we start holding you accountable because i'm already doing it I'm sorry, I am seeing people who I may have in the past considered role models do nothing when it comes to these institutions. Because guess what? Guess what? All change that has happened, they have been met with resistance, but change takes time and you have to do something to change something. Strikes mm -hmm. were a thing. Protests are always been a thing. This is how, I mean, it's like we're, we're scared to get right, we're scared to have rights and we're scared to voice our own powers and the power that we have as a group of people in whatever situation to go, you know what? I don't feel represented in this. And I feel like there needs to be a conversation about what we can do more. I can go on and on about this. You know who I'm, you, you should know, cause go, just go find them. It's not that hard to see who's actually doing the work 
that they said they were going to do and who are the people who are just getting their check. And listen, let me tell you something. I don't mind. Go ahead and get your check. At the end of the day, everyone needs one, right? Sure. But don't lie to me. Don't lie to everybody else and say that you're doing this because you care and that you're so about inclusion and diversity and you want the field to be better later on once you leave. What are you doing to actually change that? What are you What are you doing to make sure that the systems that are in place right now that have the continuation of the supremacy, this elitism, this hierarchy that they created, what are you doing to break that cycle? If it's nothing, you know it's nothing and just know you are not a part of the future that we are trying to create. The ones of us who are doing these things, who are questioning, I don't care anymore. (laughs) I don't care. I'm at the point I have learned I'm not going to sit here and say I'm going to do all this work in diversity and trying to make my field better for people who look like me. And I'm going to sit there and do everything that they told me to do. How does that make me look? Mm. Think about it. Self-reflect. Drop the mic. I just want to say thank you all for listening to another episode. Thank you all for the supporting fans. Thank you all for our village. That's our guest. That's our families. That's everything. Without all of y'all, we really can't be doing this. We won't, we don't, we wouldn't feel the support and we do feel it. And I'm so thankful and happy that all of y'all are listening, interacting. And if you have a opinion about a hot take we said today or hot take we've ever said, call me because I'm always, you can, you can ask Lauren Anthony. I'm always down to to debate. I will play devil's advocate for no reason, just because I like to argue. Will. But like, and I want to hear your opinions. I'm not discrediting your opinions. I want to hear them. And I want us to like hear each other and talk to each other. That is the only way things happen. But again, thank y'all for listening today. If you have anything we want to, if y'all have anything you want us to talk about or want uh, some of our guests to talk about because you don't know them, which is a good thing. Um, so just hit us up, let us know because that's how we keep it up. Every also, college football is back. Go have fun, be safe, please be safe. Yeah, COVID is still here, COVID right? Is here, Delta saying hi, y'all, and y'all say, right. Y'all be safe, be safe out be there, safe. y'all. Do great things, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.